How many of y'all is thankful this morning? Amen? Amen. Now when the preacher comes, I don't want everybody to fall asleep now when the preacher comes up, alright? Got a lot to be thankful for today, and most of all is Jesus Christ and our family and just and our church family, amen. We still have a lot of people traveling and doing things, but as Chrissy said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'll be in the midst, amen. And it seems like there's a lot of folks going through different things. There every family has every family goes through stuff, amen. Y'all agree with me? Now you're going to have to be an amen in church if you're going to agree with this sermon today, alright? So I listen to y'all worship. We need to, I want you to really hone in because we go through different things. A, A lot of families in our church are going through different things, going through trials and temptation. That's why I've been preaching on this the last three or four weeks, trying to open our eyes up that the only answer we have is Jesus. Amen? That's it. No matter what trial we go through or what's happening, Jesus is the only, only answer. Because listen, as I said a few weeks ago, the devil is doing everything he can do to keep us off track, keep us unfocused, just focus on something else. And you know, and, and and I was watching The Voice Monday night, and I really didn't. Of course, with my ADD, I was singing right along with them until until I watched Blake. And everybody's and there was a lot of people who said, "Well, that's not really a big deal." That's where it starts. And, it, and some of y'all are saying, "What's he talking about?" Well, they sung that song, uh, "Will the circle be unbroken?" Amen. Will the circle be unbroken in the sky, Lord, in the sky? Well, they said, will the circle be unbroken in the O sky, Lord, in the sky? O. They put O instead of the Lord. They said O in the sky instead of the Lord in the sky. And so people said, ah, that's no big deal. That's entertainment. Listen, this is how the devil comes into our individual lives. And see, if we have the attitude, well, it's no big deal. I did this or I said that or I let this. Listen, this is how the devil gets in and starts working through different things. And we need to know that as a child of God, we have power this morning to overcome that. That's that last song that the praise team saying, we, we really don't know who we are in Christ sometimes. We think we're just a church member and that's it. Listen, we're a born again, saved, sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And, and the devil comes in through little things. And, and a lot of people say, well, that wasn't no big deal on the voice. But listen, this is how the devil has creeped in. This is how worldly things have creeped in, in our Congress, in our lives. And guess what? Even in our homes. Because it wasn't no big deal. And so I see a lot of families in our church that are suffering and going through different things and, and different things. And, but we've got to realize right in the middle of our trials, there is one person that's still there that's never moved. No matter what you're going through, no matter how hard a time you have, Jesus has never left. And so when, when I'm trying to get, this is just my introduction, I'm trying to get his own focus here. But when we have Jesus Christ and we're walking with Him in an in a intimate walk, we all are producing fruit. You say, listen, fruit is not invisible. That's why I titled this, What is in Your Fruit Basket? Because if you're a saved child of God this morning, we need to really look and see what's in the basket. I have 
to do this pretty awkwardly myself. What is in your basket, George? Is it about just seeing the house? Listen, if, if all you're wanting in your basket is people and seeing the house full, then I'm preaching for the wrong thing. And we as leaders sometimes have to step back and evaluate. If you're a leader in this church and you don't evaluate yourself, shame on you. We all need to evaluate ourselves as mom and dad. And see, that's why, that's why the devil can creep in. Amen. And steal our fruit. Amen. And in that fruit is your joy. Amen? The devil's very good at stealing our joy. Man, I, I'm glad I, after Thanksgiving dinner, I'm glad I didn't go to Walmart. <laughs> Amen? I looked on Facebook the other day and some of y'all had... Well, it was unbelievable, the people. I thought right then, if we could get people to run over people to get through that door, that'd be great, wouldn't it? If we could get people to get that excited about Jesus Christ. If I could get Pleasant Hill to get that excited about worship, God might show up and do a great thing in our church. Because we shouldn't have to urge you to worship and poke you and prod you. Amen. You say, well, you're preaching mean today, Brother George. No, I'm not. I'm trying to get the Holy Spirit to stir something up in this church body besides George Vincent. Amen. That's what I'm saying. You say, well, man, you preach and stomp. If you don't like it, I can't help it. Amen. I'm going to preach the way God called me to preach. Maybe you need to be stirred up. Maybe your fruit basket is empty this morning. But every now and then, the church needs to be stirred and we need to evaluate where we're at. And I don't stand up here and preach. I'll preach this way if we had 15 in here. Tim knows I did it in revival a few weeks ago. We had about 15. But you know what? The Holy Spirit... I, that's what I love about that. I was really... I really wasn't looking forward. I'm going to be honest. I wasn't really looking forward to that revival. You say, you're a preacher. You shouldn't. <laughs> let's take the halo down and pull yours down. And let's get real with Jesus. Amen? I really wasn't excited about going preaching that revival. I knew they only had 12, 15. I knew the church had a lot of turmoil. I knew they had lots of troubles. And I said, man, Lord, I got down to the first night. That's when I thought Jesus was coming back and I was getting raptured out when I was in the bathroom. <laughs> Amen. Train blew a horn. I thought, I done missed all of them in there. <laughs> and so I went out and as I prayed in that bathroom, I went in that bathroom more than just to go to the bathroom. I was praying, Lord, you put me here for a reason. There's 15 here, but Lord, let some fruit, man, plant some seeds in these hearts. And went in there and preached, had the greatest, one of the greatest times preaching that night. I mean, I went in there just basically didn't really preach what I intended to preach, just let God be God that night. And then the next night, man, you could see the fruit basket just double. Total different. It's amazing how your attitude will change if you'll just get some joy, your salvation back. Amen? Amen? It'll be amazed what the church can do that'll operate off of the joy of their salvation and quit being robots. 
actually be you for God, you'll be amazed what God will do. And so I see, God, I see our church going through a lot of different turmoils, and, and it's not all bad. Some are bad and some are good, but it's all testing. God wants to test the faith of this church. Amen? Amen? Amen. He wants to test when the house is full. But He also wants to test us when the house is low. He wants to see what kind of fruit is in your fruit basket when you're on the mountain. But He also wants to see what kind of fruit is in your basket when you're in the valley. And fruit is always visible. Amen? Everybody, if you're a saved child of God, your fruit is visible to people around you. I don't never walk by an apple tree and say, wow, them are invisible apples, but they sure do taste good. <laughs> Amen? When I walked by, I was walking up in, in my father-in-law's garden this year, and he had, oh, he had almost, man, I don't know, 250, 300 tomato plants. I didn't have to walk up there and ask what that plant was. Man, that row was full and he had them tied up and they were hanging over and there was tomatoes everywhere. They were on the ground. They were. This thing was producing. I didn't have to say, wonder what that is. I knew from my eye when I seen it, that was a tomato. And that was a plant. And so, God tests our fruits during the trials that we go through. Amen? He wants to test how your fruit is. And a lot of that is how much we experience Jesus Christ on an everyday life. Don't wait till a trial gets there and fall on your knees and be the biggest prayer warrior in Pleasant Hill. But it's just an everyday life of experiencing Jesus Christ. It may not be lightning coming down and then there may not be nothing just vibrating. It may just be a small, still voice, the Holy Spirit ministering to you. Don't always think you've got to have the big pop to see Jesus. Amen? Amen? Well, I didn't get goosebumps, Brother George. Well, that don't mean you didn't get touched by Jesus. <laughs> we got a lot of people running around on goosebumps, and that's all they got is goosebumps. <laughs> Amen? Because as soon as the trial comes, I can't find them. Oh, Brother George, I love Jesus. I found me a, I think this is going to be our church home. <laughs> well, where have you been? <laughs> Well, we've been going through trials, Brother George. We've been going through hard stuff. We've been going through... You won't believe what my family's been going through. Yeah, but our fruits are visible. Everybody sees our fruits. And a fruit, the more we experience Christ in our lives, the more power we have to overcome the circumstances in life. Y'all need to write that down and put it on your fridge. The more we experience Christ in our, I should have put everyday life, the more power we have to overcome circumstances in our life. Sometimes you've got to live on your own fruit when you're going through hard times too, amen? And buddy, I'm telling you, if, we, if some of us hit some hard times, we'd starve the first day because we ain't got about one apple. Amen? I gotta read. I gotta read. Go to James. James. That's, that's a, that is a, that is a pretty good question. If I got in really tough times, how long could I live on my own fruit? 
Would I starve to death the first day? And sometimes you've got to live on that in the hard times of life. You've got to live on Jesus Christ during the hard times and the, and the trials. And, and sometimes we've got to have patience. This is what James says in James chapter 5. Now, if you'll look in the very first chapter of James, this is, this is really odd to start out a chapter. And Look at the first chapter real quick in chapter 1. Real quick, over in chapter 1, verse 1. Verse 2. I bet you we don't do this very often. James says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. How many of y'all shout the last trial you got in? How many of y'all said, Thank you, Jesus, for another trial? Thank you, Jesus, for that that just that person on my job really, really annoys me. Thank you, Jesus, for putting me there. Thank you, Jesus, for my marriage hiccups. Amen. Y'all don't have hiccups? Thank you for my rebellious teenager. Amen. We don't go around saying thank you, Jesus, but what he's saying is, can it all joy in the middle of your trial? Jesus never forsakes you and he never leaves you. Amen. He is always there right in the middle. I love that about Jesus because when everybody, even in your friends and your church, leave you, Jesus Christ will never, never leave you. Amen. We need to soak that in this morning. We need to know that. But we need to be patient during them trials because. Some trials last for weeks. Some trials last for a day. Some last for months. They're called seasons. Right now, we what season are we in right now? Christmas season. Winter. Winter. But listen guys, winter's not going to last forever. Because about... Probably, yeah, and somebody says, thank you, Jesus, winter isn't going to last. And it's not. Season, listen, they're seasons. They don't last. But Jesus has got us in each one of these seasons of our lives for a reason to so your fruit basket will get fuller. You say, well, Brother George, it's winter time right where I... Everybody do this. Give me a fruit basket. There you go. We're going to be using these things today. You may be in a hard time. But listen, your fruit basket may be full, but be, just be patient. You can put your fruit baskets up. In two or three months, you'll start seeing fruit. You've got to remember, fruit don't happen automatically. Just because you do a good deed or come to church today or helped a neighbor out or prayed, started praying a lot, don't expect that tree to be full of fruit because of one week of prayer. Or you got dedicated to church for a month. Oh! Where's the fruit? Fruit don't work like that. It comes, you've got to be patient. It comes in seasons. What you're planting now is what you're going to reap in three months. I try to listen, guys. We need to understand this as a church. The sermon I preach today, I, don't, I, I used to expect this as I, when I was young, Tim. When I first started preaching, man, I would preach and I would expect, I would expect apples and oranges and bananas just to come on down to the altar. I mean, when people got up, I expected grapes falling out of their pocket. I mean, I mean, I thought, shoot, I preached so hard, there's a bunch of fruity people in there. I mean, they're going to be eating apples and oranges on the way to the car because fr fruit don't grow instantly. People don't grow spiritually where they need to be instantly. 
Let me in on a secret. The sermon, I, I learned this. The sermon I preach today will not bear fruit maybe till June. I'm just planting the seed. It's up to us to whether that seed grows or not. But I know when I preach a sermon, Chad, that's why you don't see me preaching on tithing when we're not tithing. Amen? People say, oh yeah, Brother George, the finances are low for the month of March. You need to preach two or three sermons on tithing. I've come to understand I can preach on tithing, but you're not going to tithe until that seed gets in your heart and gets a hold of you. It's got to grow. Same way with using our gifts in the church. I can preach and say, man, we need more volunteers, Brother George. We need people to step up. We need people. I can preach on gifts, three or four sermons, but I know that fruit don't grow instantly. Because if God ain't got a hold of you, it's not going to work. If the Holy Spirit's not stirring your heart, it's not going to work. Your fruit's going to look about like probably no fruit at all. And here's how I got this started the other day. Melvin bought a bowl, a square. We bought a new kitchen table and she bought a... She's always got to buy stuff that matches the table. I don't... Yeah, amen. It must be a woman thing. I do know to put the whites with the whites. Amen. But she had to buy a black bowl to go with the black table, wooden table we bought, this black hardwood table. And inside that bowl... I come walking by and I look just first glance. This bowl was full. It had oranges. It had apples. It had three bananas. And all that bowl was heaping up. I thought, well, we got a new table. She bought some new fruit to go on it. Well, I went by and I picked it up. She wasn't home. And I just kind of glanced at it. But after she, she had to go to town one day. And it was right after that bowl of fruit was there. And I was getting kind of hungry for fruit. I went over and picked up that apple. And I picked it up in my hand almost. I mean, it was light. I said, oh, it looked good. I mean, just walking by, it looked like it was the juiciest, juiciest apple and orange and bananas you could ever buy. It fooled Hunter. You can go in there right now on our table. Follow me home. You don't believe me. There's a, there's a banana there, Tim, that's got the end broke off of it. Isn't that right? She, blamed, she thought I did it. All I did was pass the buck. She said, George, you break my banana. I said, I ain't touched your banana. Hunter! Yeah, I thought it was real and I just popped it off. When he popped it off, he found out that it was foam inside. It wasn't a real banana. But as I, that's a funny story, but you know what? There's a lot of churches and Christians that look the same way. And they wonder why they can't get over the trials and the humps of life. It's because when they're broken open in the middle of a trial, they're nothing but foam. They're not the real deal. Oh, they shout on the outside real good. And listen, there's nothing wrong with shouting and raising your hand. I don't care if you jump up. I've always wanted this church to be free to worship in the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to go back here and tell you to put your hand down. 
Now, if you get to jumping so hard and roll over and knock his tree over and knock him over there and singing, the deacon's going to take you out. <laughs> God's not the author of confusion. Amen? Or, listen, or if you worship and everybody's looking at you instead of Jesus, there's something wrong. But there's, there's nothing wrong. I've always encouraged this church to worship. We've got to express our thanks. That's why, we, that's why we can't come in here on Sundays and be dead and expect God to move. Amen? That's why it's so important to... You say, Brother George, I have a heart. You want me to get ready between the car and my seat? No! I want you to look in your fruit basket Saturday night. And Friday. That's what's wrong with God's church today. We wait till we get to the house to show the fruit. And so, James here, I've got I to read at least one verse. Because there'll be some people go out of here to this visit saying, that guy preaching didn't even use God's Word. Look in James. James 5. Come now, you rich, weep, and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. I'm getting there. Make sure I give you the right verse. I shut it right up in James. There we go. There we now you get I, I give her one too early. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer does what? Waits. Wait. What is he waiting for? For the precious fruit of the earth. That farmer knows when he plants the seed, it's going to take so many days to germinate, so many days to grow, that fruit to grow. It's going to, before he can expect a harvest, it's going to be about how long does it take tomatoes? Time you plant them, time you get to eat them? Anybody know how many farmers we got in here? Huh? Three months? How many? Let me put a long time. That's my farming ability. You're about like me, y'all. Y'all just put it in the ground. When it's there, it's there. But you've got to tend that plant. You've got to water it. You've got to take care of it. Knowing when you put it in the ground... You can't go up the next morning and get big, luscious red tomatoes because it's just because you planted it. It takes a while. Be patient. The fruit's coming. But we've got to be faithful to keep on, keeping on, keeping on, keeping on. Amen. 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 That's good stuff for this church. Amen. There's guys and people in ministry in this church, Randy, that's over women and men and kids and, and ladies and this. You just got to keep going and on and on and being faithful to Jesus. The fruit is on the way. It's coming. But it will not come without faithfulness. And so he says, wait for the precious fruit of the earth. Wait patiently for it until it receives the earthly and latter rain. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And we always need to walk around with eternity on our mind. Amen. If 
If you're a child of God and you never think about eternity, there's something wrong with your heart. Oh, I'm saved, Brother Jordan. I never think about going to heaven. There in the time goes by probably sometime during my week that I don't wonder what the coming of the Lord is going to really look like. I've always, I'd be up in the tree stand deer hunting and I'm thinking about, man, I wonder how big my mansion is. I wonder what that street really looks like. How many of y'all do that? I mean, just not all the time, but I kiss myself in moments wondering what eternal life is really like. And so he says, do not grumble against one another. Brethren, lest you be condemned, behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Look back in the Bible. Job and all the ones in the Old Testament. Paul, he says, look to them as there are examples. Guys, really and truly, we go through some stuff in life, but we don't go through nothing that some of these guys went through. How many of y'all had to sneak out of your house and get dressed to come to church today? Sneak out of the house to come to church. You got dressed and you had to sneak out. You had to watch going down the road. I mean, you had to watch. Nobody, nobody stops you on the side of the road and says you can't go to church today. Well, Brother George, they took prayer out of schools. Yeah, they did, but that's still nothing. (laughs) When they try to take prayer out of you. (laughs) Nobody in here had to struggle to come to church. That's why we always need to be thankful. Brother George, you don't know how bad I got it. No, but there's always somebody worse than you. I don't care what you're going through today. Somebody has got something they're worse than you. Amen? I remember me and Melvin, we was moaning and whining to ourselves when Hunter was in the hospital. About, oh, we were poor old me. We're two Christian couple. We're a Christian couple trying to do what the Lord wants us to do. We're faithful in church. Here we have a baby that's a pound and six ounces. Whoa, whoa, is me. He could have all this stuff wrong with him. He may not never grow up and be able to function and go to school. And, and now all he does is hunt, hunt, hunt. Didn't know if he was going to even be able to hunt, carry a gun. Did not know nothing. We're really whining to each other. And I, and I think this nurse, she didn't say one word. She come by one day and says, Guys, we're taking Hunter up to the so-and-so floor. They're right by the glass windows. We'll meet you up here. here. Just, me and Melvin got our stuff and we took the elevator and went up to the next floor. And we go to that window where they said she'd meet us at. And I look in that window... And I realized, thank you, Jesus, I don't have it near as bad. I've been whining. I, I mean, as I preach something out, a lot of us are professional whiners. We whine about everything if we don't get our way. In life. And we were whining because, oh, we had a pound ounce, six ounce baby, things might not be right. I turn around and look, Randy. And there's the cutest little baby, biggest smile on his face, sitting there playing. Got a scar from here to here over his chest, and he's got another foot growing out of his leg. That's why I say we need to quit whining. 
But he said, indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard the perseverance of Job, seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate. Oh, thank God He's passionate and merciful. Because <laughs> if He wasn't passionate and merciful, He could have kicked us out of the family of God anytime He wanted. Amen. 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 That's why I don't believe just because you said a little white lie or just one little sin, you're kicked out of the kingdom of God. I'm still covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Because if, listen, if all of us in here are trying to work to stay in the right with God, your righteousness is nothing but filthy rags to Him. Filthy. When God looks at David or looks at Tim or even looks at me, He sees filthy rags. But when Jesus Christ covered me with the robe of righteousness, the moment I invited Him to come into my heart, now God looks and sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ clothed upon me. He says, I'll never forsake Him. I'll never leave Him now. I'll always love Him. Because my Son died and covered His sins. See why we need to have some stability? In our lives, when you wake up tomorrow, you need to know that you're not going to get up and be going to hell. I would hate to... I know I'm getting off. I would hate to live my Christian life, Tim, because you can't produce fruit always being scared of God. Be ye confident of this one thing. He which begin a good work, robe me with righteousness, will perform it until the day... Jesus Christ returns. I'm a work in process every day. He'll never leave me. He'll always love me. Because I'm His. He bought me. That's why we need to have confidence in knowing that, hey, I'm standing on a solid rock. Now, Christ wants us to produce fruit. Why does Christ want us to produce fruit? Because our fruit reflects the tree. In John 15, he says, I want you to produce fruit. He says, I want my Father to be glorified and I want you to bear fruit. And what he's saying is, is when Jesus is glorified, it's when my fruit basket is full. It's hard for Jesus to be glorified if everybody in here comes in with one apple in their basket. I mean, that don't make a lot of believers, that don't make a lot of lost folks out there want to change their mind about going to church. If all I got is one apple and half of it's rotten, it's got a worm on one side. <laughs> you saying, Brother George, some people produce rotten fruit? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Amen. It's rotten. Go to John 15. I don't want to get going. John 15. I love John 15. John chapter 15. Look what John chapter 15, 1 says. I am the true vine. Who's the true vine? Jesus. Jesus Christ is the true vine. Now look what He says. And my Father is the vine dresser. God owns the garden. Amen. Amen. It's His garden. Jesus Christ is the vine. 
Now look what he says. My, he says, every branch in me, and, and you've got to be real careful on the wording. What is, and in verse 2 it says that He taketh away. What is Christ taking away from you? You ever thought of that? What does Christ take away? He says that every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And a lot of people think that that means He throws them in hell. <laughs> that is not what that verse means, folks. Your Jesus Christ loves you more than one mistake to break you off and throw you in the fiery pit. It says that He takes away. And then He says, And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes that it may bear what? I love this. More fruit. Jesus is the vine. Everything that's attached to Jesus has life. Jesus is the vine. We're the branches. I mean, just imagine, we're all branches shooting off of Jesus. And then He says, Every branch, go back to that one in verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes it away. What He is saying is Jesus loves us so much, He wants us to bear fruit that He takes that branch. Now imagine being in a vineyard or in your garden. He says, Jesus says, I take it away. What I do is sometimes they get to growing longer and longer and them branches and them limbs and vines, they get down in the dirt and it rains. And it covers the vine up with dirt. I mean, they're dirty. They look bad. They're laying. They cannot. There's no light down there. Jesus says, I take it away or I lift them back up and I tie them to the stake where sunlight can come in and give them sun. Because when you're in the dark and you're walking in sin, you're not producing fruit. How many agrees with that? When you're walking constant, I'm not, we all mess up, guys. I'm talking about when it's a pattern every day and day in, day in, day in, and you don't care what anybody thinks, and you just sin. I mean, I don't care if it hurts the governor. I'll do what I want to do. Day after day after day after day, and you know that's a bad place to be. You will not produce fruit. But Jesus says there is them, Randy, that's in the dirt. And when they know that they're walking in sin. And believe me, guys, we all know when we sin. Everybody says, oh, I didn't know I sinned. I didn't know I did that. Then you need to check and see where the Holy Spirit's at because it will convict you when you sin. That's why He's there. And so when you ask Jesus, listen, I may walk out here tomorrow and some of y'all may, some of y'all tomorrow might hit your hand with a hammer. No, you're a hammer with a hand. Y'all didn't even catch that. You may take that hammer tomorrow and hit your finger. And you might not say, thank you Jesus for the trials. I count it all joy. Amen. What I'm trying to say is we all fall. There's no, the Bible says there's not one righteous one, no, not one. We all may have a tendency and something the devil comes up. We may fall. But the turning point is, is when you want to be lifted back up and put in the light, is when I turn right in and I go with the conviction of the Holy Spirit, Randy, knowing that I was wrong, 
I stop right there and I don't keep going down the path I'm going. I kneel down and ask Jesus Christ to forgive me of that wrong right there. The flesh got the best of me. The devil's trying to get me, Lord. Pull me up out of this trial. I want some more fruit. This isn't the fruit I want. Forgive me, Jesus. I'm so sorry that I offended you like that. Then he takes and lifts me up and ties me on the post where the sunlight can shine in and I can walk in the light. My limbs grow and my, my fruit is coming. It's coming. It's just not there yet, but it's coming. And then you got these little things on the vine. Let's, let's go to verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. See? You're clean. You're saved. But we all have to ask for forgiveness from time to time. Repent of sin. And so, he says that he has to prune. How many of y'all has ever pruned something? Why did you prune it? Why didn't you let the limbs grow? Because if you don't prune it, then my little limbs will suck the life out of the main, the main branch. That's why he says I have to prune and cut away. Jesus, listen, if you want your fruit basket to be full, Jesus is going to do whatever he can to get them influences, them people, them things, that stuff. He's going to cut them away so you can have life and experience Jesus Christ to the fullest. And that's, that's the hard part. Amen? That's the painful part. See, them little sucker shoots, you, I like to call them them little sucker shoots, you got to cut them dudes off because them little suckers will suck the life out of you. And that could be simple as TV. Anything that sucks the life out of you, Jesus wants to cut it away. How many of y'all ever had anything suck the life out of you? TV, radios, TV shows, people. There's been some people I've been around, I feel better, I feel like I'm dead. I mean, they about just sucked every living thing out of me. I mean, I, I got to go to get a spiritual IV and get rejuvenated. Amen? I mean, I got to get pumped up by the Holy Spirit and get full. Lord, give it to me. Because every time I'm around these people, they just drag me down, drag me down, drag me down. Got to cut them. Because a lot of times we try to go to church, be a Christian, and we want to hold on to that world, but we can't. You got to cut the biblical cord sooner or later. You got to cut it. If you're really going to experience fruit from Jesus Christ, there's going to be some cutting. You need to pray today, Lord Jesus, cut them suckers out of my life. Amen. You say, Brother George, that's kind of funny. No, but they're sucking on us when we leave here today. They suck on us so much that a certain percentage of these folks, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people traveling today, but there's a lot of people that got life sucked out of them this week and they can't even get their head up to come to church. Their kids are sucking the life. Their marriage is sucking the life. The, uh, their job is sucking the life out of them. But I can't let go because I don't want to offend nobody. It's getting quiet in here. 
Jesus is going to, listen, if you're going to actually experience Jesus in a deeper, fuller way, He's going to cut some stuff. Cut. Go to verse 4, Tina. Where's my Bible? She's saying, pray for me. I'm going to the bathroom with Mama. <laughs> we in trouble? Hey, baby, I remember I was there as a kid. <laughs> See, the devil's not always a bad distraction. Amen? That was good. That wasn't the devil. That was a child. Amen? Y'all needed to laugh anyway. Y'all getting too serious in here. he says in verse 4 I gotta hurry abide in me and I in you that the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine that's why I say all the time people you can be saved in Jesus Christ but you need church people that tell me they don't need a church they don't know what Jesus is about yes you can be saved yes you can go to heaven yes you can even grow in the Lord to an extent but you will never be fulfilled and completed in the purpose and plans of God unless you have a church family. Yes. Yes. I'm telling you. How many of y'all agree with that? Raise your hand. Amen. You can grow. You can watch. Listen, I can sit at home. Brother George, I don't need church. I'll sit at home and watch John Hagee. You'll watch John Hagee and he'll encourage you and you will grow. But John Hagee can't reach his arms to that TV and hug your neck and say, We missed you. I love you. And it's called accountability, and John Hagee can't give you that. That's good stuff right there. And I love TV preaching. And then there's the excuse well, there are hypocrites down there. I'm not going to that church. No, but y'all stampeded each other in Walmart Friday night and you went there anyway. They're there too. Amen. They're at Kroger. They're on your job. And sad to say, they're in the church. But here's how I look at that, guys. I don't go to church for that hypocrite. I go to church because of my Lord and Savior died on the cross for me, Michelle, and gave me eternal life. And the least I could do is show up and go to church and give thanks to Him. The least. I don't care if that whole side over is hypocrites. Amen? Amen. I still preach. You need to still come. Hallelujah. Yeah, they're in every church. But the whole deal is, is I'm not going to stand one day in front of that person that offended me. I'm going to stand in front of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that He's Lord. Amen. And I'm going to look over and I'm going to say, yeah, but what about that deacon or brother and so-and-so who's growing up making my mom and dad mad and, and I said, I'd never go back to church. Jesus said, it's about you now. You're accountable, not them. For your own fruit. So if you're mad at someone in here, pray about it. Lay on the altar and cry and get over it. Because they're sucking the life out of you. They are sucking the life out of you. They're sucking the life out of you and you don't even know it. If you're bitter with someone in this church, you need to let it go. 
Because it's sucking the life out of you. When you're disconnected from the vine, you don't do nothing but shrivel up. That's why churches... That's why churches are dying today. It's Listen, God can... Wor- I, I can worship with 15, Tim. But when that 15 don't want to have fruit, there's something wrong. And there's a lot of them out there that don't care whether their fruit baskets are one apple... Halfway full, they don't care about the basket. They know where signs at. They'll come here, guys. We can't use that theology in this church, and we're right here on the highway. You need to invite people. Number one, with your fruit. <laughs> Thought she's going to preach for me there for a minute. <laughs> When we disconnect from Jesus, the vine shrivels up. Spiritually die. How many's ever been there? Me and I have held a grudge. I've been mad. When I first started preaching, it's a wonder I even got to preach. It's a wonder associating with some people in some church. I could have been kicked out of the ministry if it was left up to them. And I held that, Randy, in my heart for a long time. Certain Christians, certain people, when I was preaching, starting out, he came, George Vincent's called to preach, oh no. Have you heard him preach? All he does is holler and scream and run around. And They had a foot washing at their church. Woo! That was a big thing here for a while. My response was, some of us ain't big enough to get low enough to see Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so, I really held that in. And finally one day, Jesus, I mean, just convicted me and said, you've got to let go of them people. No matter what churches said something about you, what people, I called you, they didn't. Get up and quit sobbing and bear fruit for me. Because you know what Jesus really said to me? Convicted me, said, if that's the biggest thing you've got to face, then bless your little heart. Because <laughs> there'll be bigger devils than that in life. But see, a lot of us, and I'm gonna, I love this illustration, but a lot of us want to microwave God. And we want to microwave spiritual life. I did it last night for Hunter. He wanted a corn dog. It was froze. I got these state fair corn dogs out of the box and poked the stick through the plastic and laid it on the plate. Took it over the microwave. Turned that dial. No, I didn't turn no dial. I just punched. That's an old microwave, isn't it? <laughs> I pushed in one, two, five and hit start. And it started and I left the room. I came back and told Hunter, said, y'all's corn dogs are ready. Go get them. He went in and got it. But before he got it, I went by there and I took it out. Because with microwaves, you've got to watch. It's very good about heating up the external really, really hot. But you've got to get down deep in the middle. It's still cold as ice. And I had that corn dog and that dude about burnt my hand trying to pick it up. But when I got a fork and I took a knife and cut down into it, the inside of the corn dog was cold. But a lot of us... In even church today, we, we love a microwave God. 
We get hot real fast on Sunday and we're cold before we get to the car. Now, there's something that Mevlin likes to do because we'll be gone all day to work and, and doing things. She'll take her crock pot and even start the night before preparing stuff. And she'll have it all in bowls and she'll get up early before we go to work. She'll put all that stuff in there and turn it on low. And, and I even told her sometimes, I said, I don't think I'd put that on low. I think I'd put that dude on high. We're going to be... It's like, sick. This, this stuff is froze. This stuff here is not ready. Turn that dude on high so we know it's good. She said, no, it's okay. Right here on low heat, it'll be good. And I'll leave that morning and I'll come back home. That afternoon, as soon as I walk in the house, I know somebody's crockpotting. <laughs> Amen? I can smell it all over the house. It sit there and simmered and just, it got warmer and warmer. And it's hot, but it had heat from the outside all the way to the middle. And it held its heat in longer. That's why in verse 16, this is why God wants us to produce fruit. In verse 16, He says, I want you to leave church, leave the trial with remaining fruit. Look at that. You did not choose Me, but I choose you and appointed you that you should what? Bear fruit. And that your fruit I love this. He don't want to microwave fruit. <laughs> he don't want you to turn the dial, push the button up on two minutes, give me a, a real quick praise and worship, a five-minute sermon, get me out of there, I feel better about myself. I'm excited about Jesus. And then Monday, you forgot about what the conviction was even. Over. Oh, you was hot on the outside, but you was cold in here. Can I let you a little secret this morning? Jesus wants to crop pot you. And that takes time to grow fruit. Guys, I'm not trying to build a church in six months here. But here, listen. Church, everybody look up here. This is what we should be focused on. Little by little, step by step, faith by faith, slowly but surely getting heated up from the inside and affecting our outside. And slowly producing fruit instead of having gangbusters in six months with cherries going everywhere. Or they're hot for six months on the outside and they're gone. Concentrate on crock potting. Little by little by little. Because Jesus wants our fruit to remain today, tomorrow, next week, January. February, March, next summer at church camp. Amen. He wants our fruit to still remain. That's how church stays on fire constantly. Constantly. And everybody talks all the time and says, Man, your church is always on fire. It's always on fire. And I'm going to start telling them to get you a crock pot. Hmm? A lot of us churches want to get on fire and say, look what we're doing. And they're gone. But when you crock pot, they'll remain. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for today. Lord, help us to look in our fruit baskets today. And Lord, even the move that we make and commitment we make to You today is not going to just automatically put fruit in our basket for tomorrow. But Lord, teach us to abide in You, not just on Sundays, 
But Lord, teach us to abide in You. Dwell with You. Live with You. Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday gets here and I've had a rough week already. I really don't feel You a lot today, Jesus, but you know what? He's never left. He still wants us. we just got to be faithful. Even though we don't feel Him, He's still there. Thursday comes, abide with Him. Friday comes, we're looking forward to the weekend. Man, been a hard work week all week long. But He still wants us to abide. The fruit is still there. It's still growing. Every day we're faithful. Saturday rolls around. We need to pray for our worship services on Sunday. Lord, pray for us that we're not showing up just to show up, but we're showing up to glorify You. So people can see our fruits. Because the Bible says, people will know You by the fruit that You bear. That's the evidence. Heavenly Father, help us be a fruitful church. But Lord, we got to take it small steps of faith at a time. And just rely on You. Lord, heat us up from the inside and work Your way out into our works and our actions. Because Lord, if we're not heated up on the inside, it doesn't matter what the outside looks like. Lord, take this whole church body. Lord, today we put all this church body in Your big crock pot. Lord, convict us, move us, speak to us. But Lord, help us to abide in You every day. And we'll give You all the praise. And everyone saying. Wherever you're at this morning, you may be one of them ones I talk about. Where is your fruit? Everybody, now's the time you want to hold your fruit basket. Everybody hold your fruit basket. This is time between... See, I don't know what's in your basket. But Jesus does. He knows where your fruit is. How many here want to produce more fruit this morning? Man, everybody should want to produce good... That's right, good fruit. But you got to abide with Him. Have you felt yourself getting cold? Whatever it is. Maybe you're going through a trial. You've had circumstances of life that just hit you and hit you hard. Just remember that Jesus, He's always there. He's never forsakes you. He never leaves you. You can call upon Him at any time. But whatever you do, you've got to cut them suckers out of your life. They're sucking the life out of you. Come this morning as we sing. Right where you're at is the altar workers. They're here. Come if you just want to pray. Don't worry about what anybody else is thinking. Who's beside you? This is about you and Jesus Christ in your fruit basket this morning. Bring your basket to the altar. High school, junior high, parents, grandparents, there's no age when it comes to your fruit basket. God is looking for fruit.